thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio and I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And I we are talking about literally my second favourite topic tonight. Um, so, Ashley, in my hierarchy of favourite things, number one is obviously dogs. dogs. <laughs> Number two two is coffee. Number three is like women's health. Um, But, you know, we have very, very early on in our um, podcasting journey, we did an episode on coffee and we haven't revisited it since. And there's so much more information that we need to talk about. And also, I think it's just a good idea to re, um, you know, kind of rejig this information and, um, you know, give a bit of the updated research around this as well so that women also don't have to scroll back to the very beginning of the podcast <laughs> episodes to Which get they to. don't have time to do. <laughs> It's all well updated anyway. I mean, anything that's five years old right now pretty much gets superseded by uh, the latest information and research. So I probably wouldn't even encourage our listeners to go back five years. It's kind of like, let's just keep on track. Let's keep current. <laughs> um, and Ash, look, I know that you're not a coffee drinker, um, no. which surprises the pants off me. Like, have you ever been, <laughs> have you ever been into coffee? Not really, no. And But, you know, like you, you're talking about coffee or caffeine, right? So this yep. is where I always like to clarify that because some people go, oh, no, no, I don't have any any caffeine because they're thinking I don't have any coffee 
because most people associate caffeine and coffee, but I do have dark chocolate. Uh, so there's a small yes. amount of caffeine there, which yes. is obviously my little kind of, I would say for me personally, it's a leveller. Um, I have found throughout my life I probably don't love coffee as much as other people do because I've always been slightly sensitive to it. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't take more like a double shot and I'm like, <laughs> Whereas yeah. people are like, what? A double shot? I have four of those every day. <laughs> so know, um, which is scary. Yeah, so for me, uh, it's probably just a natural deterrent. It doesn't make me feel great like other people might feel fabulous. But um, it is interesting that it's the world's most commonly used and abused psychoactive drug. Uh, It's definitely my drug of choice, absolutely. (laughs) And people don't often consider it a drug, but the fact that you actually have to deal with withdrawal is a classic, you know, terminology associated with drug dependency. Um, So when people tell me that uh, they don't take any medication and I ask how much caffeine do you have and they're like, what? (laughs) Um, it's, It's just trying to understand how their body's functioning and what stresses are placed upon it. And caffeine obviously has some... uh, benefits we have no doubt about that we've got uh, lots of reasons to love love caffeine but uh, there's certainly some drawbacks as well and in the last two years in particular there's been some big research coming out that has brought us to this topic tonight which has brought i guess a little bit of cause for concern and mm. also a reevaluation of the evidence and recommendations that are given um to certain people and there's reasons for that so i thought you know i think it's great you've talked about this because i mean literally billions of people consume coffee daily that's i mean i'm gonna call coffee because that's m- most commonly um and throw in their tea and you've pretty much covered a majority of the planet has some form of caffeine consumption and ash like i am so serious about my coffee drinking um oh it's an art form (laughs) oh and it's like it's ritualistic and i literally get excited when i go to bed about the coffee i'm going to drink the next day and like the just the our morning <laughs> junkie, routines junkie. oh it, absolutely and like our our morning routines um you know we'll always walk the dogs and there's certain parts of the park or on our walks where i will go oh my gosh it's almost home time which means it's almost time for coffee um which is like, you know, super exciting. And it's that Pavlov's dog thing. You know, I'm so in, entrained in that, <laughs> that sort of system. And I was a late, I haven't always been into coffee. I was a late coffee bloomer. I didn't start getting into it until my sort of late twenties. And I'm definitely making up for lost time, I think. Um, but I also consume it very consciously in the sense that, um, there are some hacks around coffee and your caffeine intake that can mitigate some of the negative effects that it can have on your system. And look, there are so, there is so much research. There's an absolute abundance of research that shows the positive effects of coffee. Like there's literally over 200 meta-analyses, which is, you know, and and meta-analysis is obviously the the combination of often hundreds of their own individual studies. Um, And so there's probably thousands upon thousands of uh, research articles showing how beneficial coffee is for all sorts of different things. And, you know, of course, because everyone loves cherry picking their research, that is definitely something that I'm going to cling on to for dear life. (laughs) 
but there are some very specific do's and don'ts around this. And there are groups of people and there are certain times in a woman's life when we very strongly recommend against having coffee and caffeine. Um, And it's really important. Um, And we'll go through that as well. And caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant. So obviously as chiropractors, we're constantly engaging with the nervous system. So we do come across this a lot. We do make recommendations around caffeine Mm -hmm. uh, on a daily basis. And it's really because it's a physiological effect. It's quite prone to abuse and misuse and people don't realize it. Um, And obviously we, you know, we develop uh, insensitivities. So we increase our dose over time, uh, which is, you know, also partly why caffeine withdrawal is a real condition it's a recognized disorder and you get things like those central um, effects such as headaches anxiety insomnia depression Um, so you know when you realize that caffeinated drinks or any caffeinated products can cause a very big range of physical and cognitive benefits but there's also those potential risks and negative effects of those. Um, You know, I've always suspected that I've got a caffeine sensitivity Mm. quite simply because I show all those sorts of low tolerance signs such as, um, you know, the jitteriness, the feeling like I feel like I need to take big breaths all the time. It's almost like Mm. I feel like I have um, not a racing heart but just like a a nervousness to to my body, to my system. It's almost like an irritability that I'm I'm feeling jumpy and irritated um, and absolutely sleeplessness. Like if I had one after 3 p.m., I probably wouldn't be in bed before midnight and be like, what? Um, So obviously I'm a person who metabolizes caffeine slowly and there's most likely genetic reasons for that. Caffeine's fascinating because it's actually very rapidly and completely absorbed by the body. Um, So within about, I think it's 45 minutes of drinking coffee, 99% of that caffeine has already been absorbed Mm. through the digestive tracts into the bloodstream and um when you have a cup of coffee, obviously relating to sensitivity, but let's just say you're a regular person without a higher sensitivity to it, um, within 15 level, 15 minutes of consumption, you're going to be reaching peak levels. Yep. Um, so this is why people go like instant fix, instant pick me up, you know, if they're, they're driving or they're on a job, you know, I know unfortunately a lot of the people that I talk to, they're often shift workers or um, I hate to say it, people in the medical system, when they're having to suddenly back up and do a longer shift and suddenly yeah. they hitting caffeine a lot of my nurses doctors midwives um rely on caffeine to keep their mental acuity because they've obviously got high risk high responsibility jobs and um yeah they're quite prone to abusing it because it's almost an essential requirement because instead of clocking off after seven or eight hours they've suddenly had to pull the double shift and they're 14 hours in and they're still supposed to be making those rational clear decisions um when it's we're past the fatigue point of the brain right so yeah. yeah, you know, obviously that's um, you know that's why people use it. That's why we we love caffeine. What I think is probably interesting, and and a lot of people don't realise, is that certain enzymes in the liver are required to metabolise caffeine and break mm-hmm. it down. Yeah, and so of course for a lot of people, this accounts for I believe you know some of the research shows that as we get older, we become more sensitive to caffeine. So in our younger years, we can tolerate caffeine a lot better than when we get older. And this is why older uh, people might say things like, oh, I used to drink four cups of coffee, but I only need one now. Um, and that may be related to, you know, the declining function of the liver and that ability to break down 
their mm. caffeine um, and to metabolize it properly. So, you know, that's that's fascinating. It takes about six hours for a healthy young adult to cut their circulating caffeine by half. Um, so, yeah, mm. you know, understanding some of these biological differences, um, some of the factors that are involved in caffeine metabolism helps you understand that it's a really complex process, far beyond just simply, you know, drinking a black milk liquid or um, eating a piece of chocolate or, you know, dare I say it, having, you know, Red Bulls and all these energy drinks, oh. which for me is just a, a horror show for the younger generation um, and obviously everyone else. But when I see kids, you know, literally kids, primary school kids drinking these things after school, um, it it affects me. I, I feel really concerned. I, I feel really aware of the damage that can be done to those children and no one's really that, you know, savvy about it. No one actually sees it as a problem. Oh, yeah, that's really challenging. Um, absolutely. And I do think that there are some very clear do's and don'ts when it comes to coffee um, mm. and caffeine. And there are, um, like we talked about before, populations who should not be having caffeine um, in any form as far as I'm concerned. And one of the big things that I talk about with my patients all the time is when they're trying to conceive and when they're pregnant to mm. absolutely categorically be avoiding caffeine in coffee. And, you know, I'm usually so incredibly hypocritical when I'm talking about this because often um, <laughs> yeah, I've usually got a coffee on my desk as I'm talking to them about it and I'm apologising to them as I move it away because usually these long consults of mine are normally mid-morning, which is, you know, and uh, we'll talk about coffee timing shortly because that's really important um or you know we're presenting um at you know seminars talking about um pregnancy and fertility and i'm literally drinking coffee sometimes i've even got two on the go um while we're talking about these things and look there's there's very mixed evidence around coffee and fertility um there is some research that shows that caffeine does increase time to conceive um it there is the general consensus while you're trying to conceive is that intake below 200 milligrams a day seems to be okay. And 200 milligrams is about the equivalent of two cups of coffee. It could be two large mugs of tea. Um, it could be one large filter coffee um, or, again, two mugs of like instant coffee. But just remember the amount of caffeine that's in other things as well, like what you mentioned with the, um, the, the chocolate as well, Ash. So there's varying degrees or or um, certain potencies of, of caffeine in those things. But on a different um, sort of perspective to that, when a woman is actually trying to conceive, we want to keep her stress levels and her adrenal hormones and her insulin and everything as balanced as physically possible. And what we do know is that caffeine has been um, obviously shown to increase cortisol levels. That's part of its its action because it does ramp up that central nervous system. Um, and with that, the flow-on effect and the hormonal um, sort of dysregulation that can happen with that as well is is quite significant. Um, so we always recommend, you know, obviously keeping stress levels to a minimum while you're trying to conceive and caffeine is a direct sort of stressor on the system, but also that coffee has been shown to increase insulin levels. So therefore it re actually reduces insulin sensitivity as well. Um, so remember uh, the episodes that we've done on the insulin inflammation connection, how insulin levels and testosterone and androgens go together. So um, this can also be part of why some women who consume a lot of coffee can also struggle with their blood sugar levels and 
and their metabolic function. And we would normally think that caffeine it has a great metabolic effect because it's obviously speeding everything up. But over time, it definitely does increase insulin and fasting insulin as well. And we want to be keeping those levels as low as possible. I was pretty devastated when I read that. Look, understandably, but um, again, knowledge is power, so it's a choice, right? And I think this is where we always say, eyes wide open, it's completely a choice. I get a little frustrated when, you know, we talk about this whole idea of being aware, being an informed consumer, but there's so many ways in which caffeine is hidden in products. And one of the ones that I've always found interesting is a lot of um, weight loss products or shakes, you know, there's often a lot of caffeine in those and people are really unaware about it. Um, uh, even some really popular brands, and I remember turning some packets and doing kind of mental maths on it. I was like, wow, if, there was, you, you know, if you were instead of just the one shake a morning, you were consuming two or three shakes a day, you know, you were consuming an excessive amount of caffeine. Um, so, yeah, there are definitely hidden sources of caffeine and a lot of people don't realise whilst the majority of caffeine comes from plant-based sources, and that's the cacao um, coffee, guarana, and tea uh, are the key sources. There's actually synthetically derived caffeine. So mm. we we don't realise a lot of these you know products we could be consuming can actually be laced with caffeine because it has that psychoactive response. So it makes you feel positive about the product. You feel better after having had it. So guess what you want more of something that makes you feel good. So um, just be aware, you know, a lot of snack bars can contain caffeine and you you won't know unless you look at them because they're not having coffee or or necessarily any other obvious sign. But I have seen caffeine content in things that don't look like they should have caffeine. I'm like, where is the caffeine? It doesn't say coffee. Mm. It's like, how has it got caffeine in it? But obviously it's a a constituent of the processing. um, And it could be um, something as simple as like green tea extract. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is incredibly potent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, just being aware of that. And um, I, I've always wondered, and I haven't, I mean, I haven't kind of eliminated it yet because I don't feel like it affects me. But I was also surprised, you know, in our lives, it's really common with a lot of fermented foods and drinks. Kombucha, obviously made on black green or you know oolong mm. tea can actually still contain caffeine um i don't know why i thought it should be not there but <laughs> but there's ah. still small amounts of, of caffeine anywhere from 5 to 15 milligrams um, per serving so i thought that was interesting because a lot of people might not be aware that they're actually consuming caffeine when they love their their kombucha and I think that all of these things are really important, especially when it comes to pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I am a real stickler for. And when we're going through like a preconception care plan with my patients or they do become pregnant, I always advise them that now is absolutely the time to cut coffee, to cut caffeine and even decaf as well. So, and to give you a bit of context around this, the reason being is because coffee and caffeine consumption increases um, essentially the risk of miscarriage. Mm. It increases the risk of all sorts of developmental issues as well. And to sort of go back a couple of steps. So what happens is in adults, caffeine is metabolized in the liver, like you mentioned, by cytochrome P450 enzymes. Um, The P450 enzymes um, remain pretty undeveloped 
until infancy and there's a really low metabolic rate of that in the fetus. And what that means is that like a and caffeine readily crosses the placenta, so it absolutely um, crosses into the amniotic fluid and across the placenta, mm-hmm. and it has a delayed clearance um, in the second and third trimesters of pregnant women as well compared to non-pregnant women. So yeah. the liver metabolism um, in pregnant women slows down, which means that that caffeine intake actually hangs around for longer. So once once we ingest caffeine, um, it's rapidly absorbed into the digestive tract as well of pregnant women and it passes straight across the placenta. Um, it's got that really long clearance rate, um, but the low metabolic rate um, in bubs. So the, fe- the developing fetus doesn't really have the ability to clear and metabolize caffeine. Mm. So then they've got all of this additional exposure to it because they lack those enzymes. And the half-life of caffeine is, um, as I mentioned, it goes up as the pregnancy goes up. And this also, um, just because of those clearance capacities. Now, the other thing is, is that caffeine raises cilial levels of something called um, cyclic uh, adenosine, adenosine monophosphate levels, which accelerate cell growth. Okay. So this is like a cellular growth sort of, um, stimulant, but it also raises levels of circulating catecholamines, which are essentially like stress hormone, um, constituents, but that interferes with the blood flow to the placenta and it causes vasoconstriction which then leads to fetal hypoxia, so a lack of blood flow and oxygen to the actual fetus. And this is because of the influences of caffeine. Um, so essentially when we're drinking coffee during pregnancy, uh, during yeah, did I say that right? When we're drinking coffee yeah, during yeah, pregnancy, yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of different adverse outcomes that could be happening to the bub. So because of those effects, it can increase spontaneous abortion, um, congenital um, defects, low birth weight, um, and that is also part, all of those things are part of the increased risk of miscarriage. Um, But it also can directly affect the fetal cardiovascular function and can initiate tachycardia in bub as well, which is like an accelerated heart um, rate. You know what? Before all of our listeners just freak out and worry about the damage they've done to their children, because my brain's going, oh, with Oliver, I did have a little bit of, sure, <laughs> a, bit sure, of a, sure. a feeling for iced coffee. I'm like, um, <laughs> maybe we'll just sort of highlight the fact that. Sorry, I was uh, <laughs> definitely going down the rabbit hole too much there. Sorry. No, it's it's awesome. But I'm, I, I think as my wife's sitting here going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, on a positive note from that, I think what we can, you know, safely conclude, and you've got such I guess, damning evidence there to suggest that it's not really this, there was clearly recommendations for a long time that sort of said, look, low levels of caffeine are fine, pregnant moms, you can still have your cup of coffee. But I think we can say that, you know, research in the last two years has flipped that. And now there's really considered no safe amount of caffeine um, because we're uncertain of the implication of that metabolism because each person has a bionic metabolism yes. and their pregnancy exacerbates the potential effect. Um, so if someone like me, my my low-level metabolism anyway and then exacerbated by a pregnancy um, could actually have a greater effect on my child than, say, another mother who 
may have the same amount of caffeine. Yeah, thanks for um, putting it into a bit more context there for um, the women. So, yeah, ladies, if you've already been drinking it, don't freak out. Um, it, it tends to be most problematic for some reason between weeks 8 to 19 of the pregnancy, um, mm. but we do advise staying off it the whole time. And for some reason, um, decaf is still problematic. Um, and then the other thing to consider as well is that uh, caffeine does pass through breast milk. Um, once it gets to Barb and going through the process, um, you know, of passing into the breast milk, it's obviously at a lower percentage. So, you know, if a mum drinks a cup of coffee, it's not like the cu- the whole cup is going straight into Barb. It is at a lower percentage. But also baby is a much smaller size than that person um, and has very different sort of metabolic pathways. So they're still getting a decent dose of caffeine. Um, and the amount of caffeine in breast milk peaks about an hour after consumption. Um, just, you know, as an FYI. So, um, ladies, if you've got bubs who are not sleeping very well, who are a bit irritable and those sorts of things, um, one of the first things we do is just make sure that you're not consuming any caffeine because it can be obviously part of something that's irritating bub as well. Mm. And I think, you know, I guess this is a great opportunity just to reflect and review on sources of caffeine in our life, have a look at the products we take. Um, I know a lot of my gym-loving friends taking pre-workouts, you know, that's a really surprising source of caffeine. And then they go and have a coffee after their workout, so they don't realise they're really, you know, ramping up that dosage. Um, And look, in some places as well, you'll find that there's couple of different well multiple brands of um over-the-counter medications which in australia is going to be changed quite soon um ibuprofen aspirin containing amounts of caffeine in them so oh wow the interesting thing with these the addition and you said why would they add caffeine to you know ibuprofen or aspirin it's because obviously we're taking them it helps to boost energy levels because people are usually taking them for a reason um it Mm. can play a role in pain relief because it creates yes. a temporary temporary vasoconstriction which is a, yes. a reduction in blood flow and so of course when you reduce blood flow that can actually alleviate pain for some people depending on you know the cause of it that's a reason why they add it as a stimulant in those medications so you know if you, again another source you know if you, if you take medications you may want to consider uh, checking is there caffeine in those medications mm-hmm. now um, again, on those particular medications, there's really no safe dose for pregnant women. So mm-hmm. um, whether it be caffeine or, or ibuprofen or, or aspirin, unless medically guided, there's no considered safe dose that you can take um, yourself. So do not take them unless medically indicated or directed by your, your health professional because the, there's no considered safe dose at this point. Um I I think, you know, what I really want everyone to take from this episode was just an opportunity to review and reflect on where we are in taking these stimulants and how that might be impacting our life, um, both for good and for bad, and not understanding that, you know, we're not considering a drug and you say, I'd never take any medications, and yet we're consuming caffeine. It's kind of like this unaware impact on our nervous system and how that will, you know, have ripple effects potentially through our life when we don't realise that it could be affecting sleep circadia, you mm-hmm. know, disrupting um, a lot of different hormonal channels as well, hormone um, metabolism, because remember the liver's in there as well. Um, and caffeine is incredibly potent at robbing and depleting our body of essential minerals. So, mm. you know, let's go down that rabbit hole. And I know you you love talking about this one too, Andrea, because the first thing we talk about is like caffeine directly impacts like magnesium. 
and magnesium is used for over 400 functions in the body. So if we're depleting the magnesium, how much effect is this having on us? And iron as well is a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're having your cup of coffee with milk in it, those are the two things that are absolutely going to block any kind of iron absorption. And if you're having, um, say, iron supplementation in the morning, um, it's really important to keep that away from that. Uh, so I think that there, there's definitely some rules around this that I think uh, if you want to enjoy your coffee – um, like me, and it is, you know, my one of my favorite things. Then um, to do so in a way where it has like minimal or lower effects on your system, mm-hmm. um, definitely the timing of it is critical. So having coffee too early in the morning is going to mess with your cortisol. So we always recommend having it after nine thirty. The the sweet spot during the day is between nine thirty to eleven a.m. Um, I normally recommend one coffee. Um, Uh, more than like over multiple Um, and I always strongly as much as possible recommend organic Um, coffee is one of the most um, you know heavily sprayed um, chemicalized uh, products in the world Mm. Uh, and the roasting process doesn't necessarily um, eliminate that Um, organic coffee these days is really really easy to get your hands on Um, I order mine from Queensland from Montville Coffee, um, but that's just me. Um, you can get you know organic stuff pretty much everywhere these days, um, and even at all sort of major supermarket chains as well. And the price, I think, is fairly comparable. Um, but choosing an organic um, coffee meat is super important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you hear discussions about things like mycotoxins, which relates to, you know, mold spores in, in coffee, obviously more prevalent in those green beans. Once roasted, it reduces those sources. Um, look, as far as our research goes, this is definitely a discussion we had. Do we want to mention this? Do we want to discuss this? Um, as much information as we were able to gather there hasn't been considered a, you know, a harmful load um, mm. on the human body based on regular daily consumption of coffee. We do ask that question, though, if you kind of extrapolate off that concept, um, just because there's no you know, clear indication of what a safe daily dose might look like or you know, safe loading of those toxins, the question is accumulation over time. Could there be impacts of mould-related illness because we are unaware that there is you know, bioaccumulation? I can't see any research on that. I think it's a discussion that should be had. I'm sure there's someone out there smarter than me who's asking those questions and probably starting to create some research or at least looking through um, the evidence that there is to try and make sense of it. But I always just think, look, if in doubt, rule it out. So that means if there's a doubt about it, you have any concerns, family history um, or any issues with mold-related illnesses, then I would suggest to stay away from from coffee or any of those things like that. You know, the to- you could argue the toss and say, oh, it's just one small thing. Sure it is, but over accumulated environmental stress loads, it may be one extra thing that you just don't need. So, um, yeah, it's, again, just personal choices. And I think um, this is the the beauty of the world we live in. I love that we have such great access to such mm. great information that allows us to make better choices for ourselves and our family. Um, for me, it's really not an option. Um, I just 
don't enjoy it because it doesn't make me feel good. So <laughs> I tend to stay away from it. But you will occasionally see me have one because I still love the smell and the flavour. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so it's just something like I just like anyone, I, I adore the smell. I absolutely love going past a coffee roaster. I'm like, oh, you know, it's just so nice. Um, Ash, I, I want to sell houses with coffee machines brewing, right? Like oh, it's because people totally have such a strong it. association that they, you know, when they're trying to go open houses, they have a coffee machine on so that people are like, oh, and they just feel intrinsically connected to this new property they might spend a million dollars on because of the smell of coffee. <laughs> I know. Throw in a puppy and I'd be all over that. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> Ash, <laughs> I honestly don't know how you don't drink coffee, particularly for the years and years of sleep deprivation that you have been through like I absolutely take my hat off to you mm-hmm. for all the things that I Try can nurture my adrenals hun yeah you know, <laughs> very clever you don't have much left when you're a depleted mum so you really do have to try and find all ways to nurture your adrenal system and um, caffeine is not one of those ingredients so yeah. it's better left alone do you know it's funny that I can absolutely so easily cut out chocolate I can cut out everything just you know cold turkey and not really think too much about it but the one thing that I am so resistant to is just cutting up my coffee and um, fortunately you know right now I have absolutely no reason to do so Um, Dean and I are about to go off grid for a week and we have a little um, like hand pump espresso machine so we take our organic like coffee beans and we can still and this is I'm I'm so glad you said espresso I occasionally stand there and feel like ordering an an espresso and I'm like espresso espresso. (laughs) it's the most amazing thing we've taken it to like Africa and India and everywhere like it's and the coffee it makes is amazing. So uh, I am obsessed. We have no other sauce. I'm sure it would taste good anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I would probably just eat the coffee beans if I couldn't do it any other way. Right, um, let's wrap this up. What are absolutely. Um, ladies, obviously, fertility, pregnancy, just a big no. Um, yeah. Try and find your ways to wean off it before you want to conceive. Uh, so reduce your, your caffeine intake, bring it down to zero by the time you're ready to conceive in that fertility window. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, I think that we talked about that vasoconstriction. I wonder if that has a relationship to, you know, say the blood flow to the ovaries and things like that. And there must yeah. be those sorts of impacts that we need to consider. So let's give ourselves the best shot at, um, you know, natural healthy conception and, and healthy viable babies. So I think, um, yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer now that we've got that evidence. Uh, five years ago I wouldn't have said that. So I'm quite open and, and aware that um, my advice was wrong five years ago based on today's evidence but let's refresh let's update what we know and uh, let's let's move forward with the information that is well far more accurate than it was a few years ago and I'm more comfortable with what I see now it kind of makes sense it's funny I always intuitively felt like I don't know why everyone's still allowed to consume caffeine when we know it's a psychiatric stimulant but um, now we're starting to see that's yeah other people have said exactly the same thing and the evidence is there so that's one when you drink your coffee what's your golden window uh, 9.30 to 11 a.m. 9.30 to 11 a.m., love that. And um, obviously, you know, for people that are sensitive, steer away from it as much as you can. Yeah. And uh, obviously consider the time in the afternoon. I, I generally say to people, look, no coffee after 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon Yeah. Um, in order to be able to sleep restfully and um, and to get that good deep sleep cycle. Um, otherwise, you still have that sort of sympathetic 
uh, effect, which yeah. is the upregulated effect of your nervous system, and that can make it more difficult to go asleep, go to sleep, and stay asleep. Absolutely. Um, just remember that that caffeine um, and coffee can interfere um, with the absorption of certain things, mm. like we talked about magnesium and iron and some other constituents. Calcium and calcium. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, super important. Yeah, <laughs> kind of important that little calcium thing. And if you are struggling with getting your insulin and blood sugar levels under control. If you do have um, uh, insulin-resistant polycystic-ovarian syndrome or you are trying to improve your metabolism, even though it sounds counterintuitive, um, that looking at your caffeine um, intake and assessing whether or not that is actually spiking your insulin levels or decreasing your insulin sensitivity could be part of a healthy journey for you as well. Um, I always strongly recommend going organic with your coffee as much as you physically possibly can if you choose using decaf then again organic and make sure it's water filtered otherwise the decaffeination process is a chemicalization process so um, always look for water filtered or swiss water filtered on the um, packaging Wow. Well, I found this far more interesting to talk about than I thought it would be. So thank you. Thank you for the suggestion. It's like, oh, Thanks for humoring me. Almost, but I was just like, oh, where, where can we go? And uh, the more you did the homework, I was like, actually, we can go a, a few different directions here. So thank you for that. And uh, thanks to everyone listening. Thank you for supporting us uh, and continuing to support us. Uh, just the other day I chatted to someone and she's like, oh, you've got a podcast, don't you? It was like that voice recognition. I'm like, oh, that's all good. But yes, thank you for noticing. So, you know, shout out to all you uh, regular listeners. Yes. Thank you so much. And to those who've just found us, um, yeah, you're most welcome to go back through the episodes and uh, find the ones that interest you. And, you know, if you love what we're talking about, if you appreciate the way we spend the time to do the research and uh, to do the homework for you, then please feel uh, obliged or not obliged, really. Just feel feel like sharing the love and go and jump on and uh, and review us if you feel as though that we've given you some benefits today and with anything else we talk about. Um, if you've got any suggestions uh, for podcasts, we always love listener ideas so we definitely do take on listener questions uh, through our email and social media and we tend to like turn that into an episode so you might hear something you've uh, questioned us with and we'll we'll get the we'll get the info to you so thank you so much for hanging with us tonight um andrew Awesome. Always love chatting to you. Thank you. Oh, you too, Ash. It's so nice to see you, doll. And again, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. You've been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.